Man, I am, I am so happy to be here, and I am excited about this journey that we're on. And um, when I start thinking about all that it's going to take, and all that we're going to do, and all that's going to be happen, I, I just got to tell you this morning that I am so glad that I have the promises of God to lean into. Right? That, that, that I don't have to wring my hands in worry and in fear. That I don't have to get lost in hopelessness or depression. That I don't have to do all those things. Because there are some promises that God has made that I get to lean my life on. And that's what we're going to talk about in this new series that we're kicking off today. We're talking about this idea of, 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 of when God promises. And we're gonna, we're gonna discover what some of those promises are in this series. And, and we're gonna talk a lot about what do these promises mean for our lives. Look, how many of you, just gonna be honest to say that a time or two in your life, you've gone through some storms, you've gone through some trials, and you've thought, what in the world is happening? Anybody ever been there before? Yes, we all have. And when that happens, That's when we need to know, and that's when we need to lean deeper on, and that's when we need to find security in the promises of God. Amen? Amen. If you open up your notes, there's a passage I want to start this series with. It's Psalms 91.4. This is what it says. It says, He will cover you with His feathers. He will shelter you with His wings. Now read the bold part with me. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. And can I just suggest to you this morning that if you have ever felt like you're getting beat up by the enemy, then just maybe you're not leaning into his promises for protection. It's just a lot easier to do battle with the enemy if you have some weapons of your own to lean into, right? If you have some armor, if you have some protections, if you have some stuff that you can go to, it's just easier. And these promises can be our protection. These promises can be where our weapons of warfare. And this morning, as we get started with this series, I just want to give you a few observations. And I thought of about 20 or 30 about observations about the promises, but I know I'm not going to keep you, and you'll probably won't stay past noon. And so we're just going to narrow them down to five. And there's just five, five observations as we move into this series about the promises of God. And the first one is this, is that many of us, we're just unaware of the promises of God. We're just unaware and what I mean by that is this, is that we probably, we probably have access to God's word in our lives like never before. How many of you have a cell phone or a tablet or a laptop that has a Bible app in it? And how many of you, some of you got it, got it pulled up right now. Yeah. And how many of you um, have that cell phone with you pretty much 24-7? If it's not in your pocket, it's by your bed. Not, I mean, not only do we have God's word accessible in some sort of media, but we have, we have his physical word, right? His Bible. And that is, as e- there are more translations. If you look on your Bible app, there are more translations of the Bible than we know to do with. I mean, they've got them for every type of language, for every type of, of syntax, for every type of in- translation there. We just, we just have the Bible accessible 
to us like never before in history. But here's the sad truth, is that we're probably more biblically illiterate than ever before. We just don't know what it says. Check this out. There was a lady by the name of Julia Severa who lives in California. And uh, Julia is, is um, a, a struggling mom of two adult daughters. Um, her husband passed away a, a few years before this story. And, and she's just living hand, hand to mouth, right? That's the saying, right? When you just, everything that you make in work, it just goes to food and shelter. And it's a struggle and it's, and it's a frustration. And not only is she trying to take care of herself, but she's also trying to take care of her two adult daughters who are, who have kids of their own that are looking to her for help and support, um, because of just their family situation. November of 2012, her daughter called her and said, mom, um, do you remember Six months ago. Now, I can't remember six days ago, right? But her, her daughter said this. Do you remember six months ago um, we stopped at this gas station and you gave me a dollar and you sent me in to buy a lottery ticket and I bought it? Do you remember that? And she's like, I mean, she just paused and she's racking her brain. She's like, I maybe? She said, well, they just showed my picture on, on the local news station, and they said that they think that this person on this picture has won the lottery and hasn't claimed the ticket. And it's me. Now, I remember going in and buying the ticket. Do you still have the ticket? And all of a sudden, in a frantic worry, she started re-trying to replay that day in her head. And she said, I, oh, what did we do that day? It's kind of coming back to me. What did we do? And she said, oh, I remember. That's the day I bought my new, to me, used car. And, and I was so excited about it that when you gave me that lottery ticket, I remember I threw it in the glove box. And so she frantically ran out of her house. How many of you have a glove box that's just like a trash can? I mean, everything goes in there, right? And so she said, I went into the glove box and I started pulling it around and I found that lottery ticket and she said, Mom, I think it's the winner. Yeah. Are you getting this? She took it in to the, to the gas station. She purchased it. She scanned it and she had won $23 million in 10 days it was going to go away. In 10 days, if she didn't claim it 10 days from that point, she was going to lose it all. Are you getting this? A mom of two adult daughters struggling every day of her life to just feed herself, to just take care of her family, to take care of rent, to provide all the stuff that she needed, had $23 million sitting in her glove box of her car. Everything she needed was right there waiting to be accessed. How many of you would say $23, $23 million would change my life? How many, $23 would change my life today. We can go get some fried chicken after church, right? That would change my day today. Now you say, now that wouldn't happen to me, right? Did you know that in 2017, 167 people didn't cash in $1 million or more lottery ticket winners? 
167 people let a million dollars slip through their finger, fingertips. In 2006, someone didn't claim $33 million winner. In 2011, someone didn't claim a $77 million winning lottery ticket. Here's the thing. What good is the lottery ticket if you're not going to check to see if it wins? Right? This is us. What good are the promises of God if we're not going to check and allow them to be a part of our life? We have access to it. For some of us, it's right there in our glove box. For some of us, it's right there on our nightstand. For some of us, it's right there on our coffee table. For some of us, it's right there on our counter where we hope to have morning devotions tomorrow, but we get busy and we sometimes forget. It's right there. It's right there. The sad truth is, the first observation is is that sometimes we're just unaware of his promises. How can we claim a promise that we just don't know? We can't. Here's a second thought. Sometimes there is confusion about God's promises. Sometimes there's confusion. You see, when you read the Bible, you have to have the ability to discern what are promises and what are proverbs. Promises are very specific statements from God that are for us. And proverbs are statements that are generally true in life. An example is this. How many of you have heard the proverb before? The proverb that says, um, train up a child in the way they should go, and when they are old, they will depart from it. Right? Have you heard that proverb? Now, here's the thing about that proverb, is that how many of you have adult children that grew up in church that are no longer a part of the church or following God? Anybody there? Yeah. So it's a, a proverb that 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 is generally true in our lives. And the hope behind that proverb is, is that these seeds that we've planted in our kids' lives that will come to fruition, and as they get old, they will remember and they'll think about and they will turn back. But it isn't a promise. It's not a promise. It's a, it's a proverb. You see, sometimes in God's Word, He makes promises to specific people for a specific time that are not necessarily for us. Like he says to Abraham, he says, Abraham, I'm going to make you the father of many nations. You're going to have lots of kids. You're going to spread all over this country, all over this known world. That's a promise for Abraham. He makes a promise to Sarah, and he says, Sarah, you're going to have a kid when you get old. And how many of you are saying, I'm so grateful my name's not Sarah? Because I meant she was really old, right? He says, that promise... It's not for you. It's for her at a specific season, a specific time in our life. But sometimes, now follow with me, sometimes when we read God's word and we read these promises, God puts a check in our spirit. And he says, yeah, I made that promise for them, but I'm also going to make it true for you. And you have to allow the Holy Spirit to teach you that and to check that in your life. I'm confirming that in you, what I promised for them, but the, but in general, we can't claim other people's promises. They're for them, not for us. Here's a third observation that we need to understand: is that God's promises stand on God's character. They stand on His character, and this is really important. I said this. I don't know if you watched the video that I posted talking about the series and our change. I made just a little statement: a promise is only as good as the person who makes it. 
Right? How many of you have had someone make you a promise and immediately you just say, okay, I can throw that away. That's not going to happen because you know their character. You know it's a good idea, but, but it's probably not going to happen. Andy Stanley, who's a pastor of a, a large church in Atlanta, has a book called Visioneering. And in this book, he tells a story of his son. They're in his backyard, and in his backyard, they have this wall that's flat, but as it goes, as their, as their, um, as their yard slopes away, it gets taller and taller. And his son likes to go out and, and stand on top of that wall and jump down. And so when it's, when it's really close to the house and the slope's not that great, it's just a one-foot jump. And his little five-year-old boy gets up there and he jumps the foot. And he's like, yeah! And he does a little forward roll and he has a lot of fun with it. But as it gets further and further from the house, the wall gets taller and taller. He said his son likes to get on that wall and climb out to the end. And he said he was out there with him one day and he stood in front of him and he looked at his son and he said, son, Jump! He's, a, he's like six or seven foot up in the air, right? And Andy's standing in front of him. He's got his arms up. He says, jump to me, boy. And he says in the story, his son gets up there and, you know, and he's, he, you can see his little legs shaking as he's at the edge of that wall. And you can see the excitement in his eyes. And, but you can also a little see a little, how many dads have done this or moms have done this with their kids. You see their, their lip. They're kind of biting their lip. And in their head, they're thinking, can I trust this person? Can I trust my dad? Will he catch me? So he said his boy was up on that wall and he was biting his lip and his little legs were shaking. And then all of a sudden he got a smile on his face and he leapt off. And he said, I caught him. Why did his son jump? Because he knew he, tr- he trusted the heart of his dad. Right? It's the same with the promises of God. As you read and lean into these promises, these promises are standing on the character of God. Now, if Jared makes you a promise, you can take it or leave it, depending on what you want to do. But when God makes you a promise, it's on God. What did I do? Oh, thank you. Thanks. It's on God's. It's on God's character. And you can take it to the bank every time. Every time. Here's a fourth thought. Is that God's promises flow out of his love for us. What I really hope hope happens for you in this series is that you're going to discover God's great love for you. And that as you hear these promises, as we dive in deeper, you're going to understand like what Paul writes in in Ephesians to the church in Ephesus. He says, and my hope is this, that you will understand how high and how wide and how long and how deep the Father's love is for you. And if God loves you, He doesn't make promises flippantly. He doesn't just casually throw them out there. He makes them because we are His people. And He is completely in love with you. And He was willing to give His own life for you. Here's a last thought and a last observation. Is that there is incredible power in the promises of God. Look, I'm going to confess something to you and I've said it before. But I'm not a mechanic. Right, Walt? (laughs) I'm not a mechanic. And if you give me a tool, there's more chance than not that we're going to mess something up more than we're going to fix it. I have the ability to destroy, right, Troy, than I do to fix. That's just my gift, right? I remember as a kid, went out, I just turned 16, and I tried to start the car, and it wouldn't turn over. It's just dead, 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 dead. 
I was like, I don't know what to do. So I went inside and I got my dad and he said, let's go out and let's, let's take a look at it. He popped open the hood and he looked for a second and I stood there look next to him with my arms on my hips looking in there, trying to act like I knew what we were looking for. Have you ever done that before? <laughs> Completely no clue what all these wires and things do. I know there's an engine, I just don't know what it looks like, right? It's just big. And I was trying to look real confident and he says, okay, and he started pulling on things and moving stuff and he went over to the battery and he grabbed one of the cables, and the cable just, just pulled right off the top. He says, well, there's your problem. And he took a screwdriver, and he started carving out the inside of that little cable and knocking all the dead acid off of it, and took that same screwdriver, and he started working it across the top of that terminal. Guys, you ever, ladies, you ever done this before? And then he put that thing back on, and he tightened it back down, and he says, now crank it up. I started, well, it was a motorcycle, right? That's not exactly what it sounded like. Or a lawnmower or something. It sounded like a car. Started right up. He says, there's your problem. That little box, that little battery, is what powers that huge car. I knew that. We all do. But without the power, it won't go. All of that car hinges on that one little cable to the top of that terminal. Without that, it's worthless. It's just a scrap. It's just scrap without that battery. Promises are the same for us. God's promises are, are the power cable that gives power to our lives. They remind us of what God has in store for us, what He can do through us. And some of you are thinking, well, Pastor Jared, what kind of power do the promises of God give us? If you're thinking that question, I'm glad you are. Because here's just three thoughts. Are you ready? And the first one is this. Is that the power of God's promises, that through His promises, we experience encouragement in times of difficulty. We experience, through His promises, we experience encouragement, encouragement through times of difficulty. Psalms 94, 19 says this. When doubt fills my mind, filled my mind, your comfort gave me renewed hope and cheer. The promise of God becomes the wind that blows under our wings and through our sails that helps us when we feel depleted, right? Discouragement, I believe, is the number one tool of the enemy. If he can just discourage you, then what's the point? Why fight? Why try? Why invest? Why give? Why serve? If he can just get us discouraged. But it's his promises that give us encouragement when things get hard. My question is, is how do we make it through difficult times? When, when it gets difficult and discouragement's all around us, how do we make it through? It's through his promises. It's what gives us the energy to say one more step, one more week, one more try, one more conversation. One more day of effort. I'm going to keep going, God, because you have given me exactly what I need. God's promises give us exactly what we need when we need it. I was thinking about last week when I talked about, you know, our move out here and all of that entailed. I didn't tell you about our our, our drive out. 
A friend of mine by the name of Brandon Alexander flew to Oklahoma City to help us pack up. And, and he was going to share some of the driving time in the big, massive, huge U-Haul truck that we loaded down to the top with stuff. And so uh, Brandon was there, you know, in the car with me. And it's really early on a Monday morning and we're pulling out of Oklahoma City. And then all of a sudden, as soon as we, I saw that sign that said, you're leaving Oklahoma City limits... It just hit me. And at first, it, it started kind of like this sweat. Just a little bit of a trickle. You know, and I was driving. Brandon's in this passenger seat. We're bopping down the road. And I'm like... <sighs> for about five miles. <sighs> See Brandon getting a little... I'm catching Brandon on the corner of my eye, and he's getting a little uncomfortable. Like, this guy's crying. He's driving. About 20 minutes later, (laughs) I mean, it was like a full, 20 minutes after that, it was like full-blown wailing and weeping as I'm driving down. And here's the thing, it wasn't that I wasn't excited about coming and being your pastor, I was, but what was going through my head was, dude, you're going to screw this up, and you're going to screw them up in the process. Are you kidding me? Do you have what it takes? Can you do this? Are you sure God wants... Or what in the world is going on here? And I'm just... And, and on top of that, I'm feeling the feelings of leaving my friend and my home, the place I'd been for eight years. Listen, I've never left a church and thought, good and riddance, we're going to burn this puppy down on the way out. Let's party. It's always hard for me. It's all... And I'm driving. And I'm like... <laughs> Brandon is like slinking further and further away from me. Like all the, he's, now he's got his shoulders completely turned looking out and he just peeks up and he says, do you need me to drive? <laughs> I got it. He's like, well, you're not in one lane. Get it together. Listen, and as I did that, all of a sudden, now it took a little while, but these promises of God started reverberating through my heart. Promises like, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Promises like, he who that is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Promises like, um, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Promises like, and I will be with you always, even to the very end of the age. And did it take away all my sorrow? Did it take away all my fear? Not all. But I had something to lean on to. The crying only lasted about six hours. I think I think we were pulling through Amarillo when I finally pulled it together. Or Albuquerque, one of the two. Listen. Scripture says things like, I am close to the brokenhearted. How many of you need to be reminded of things like that sometimes? You see, it's, it's a power that gives us encouragement in times of need, in times of difficulty. Here's the second thing. Is that the power of God's promises is that it's through His promise that we find the courage to dream and dare. There's a great story in a first grade class. I'm going to call him Johnny, because every kid in class is named Johnny in one of these stories, right? 
They're going around. The teacher said, you know what? It's the first day of class. Let's just, they decided to ask the kids, what do you want to be when you grow up? That's a first grade question. Because I want to be a fireman. I want to be a teacher. I want to be a policeman. They get to little Johnny. Johnny says, I want to be a lion tamer. The teacher looks at him. All the kids' eyes get really big. And as they're staring at him, they're like, are you kidding me? Little Johnny starts kind of questioning himself. And he says, well, I mean, my mom's going to be with me. But my mom's, she's going to be with me. Who's with you changes everything, right, gang? I've told you this before. So when we understand who is with us, it changes everything. We dare, we dream, we believe, we step out in faith because we know that God can handle anything. He can handle lions too. Amen? When we realize that God is with us, that He empowers us, we dream and we attempt and we step out in faith and we believe, you know what, Anything's impo- anything is possible with the power and presence of God. You want, God, you want me to talk to my wife about what? I can't do that. You want me to share that with my kids? You want me to tell my boss? My neighbor? God, I, I can't. But when we realize in our heart that God is with us, it gives us the ability to dare, to dream, to step out in faith. To say, you know what? It might sound like a crazy idea to leave the comfort of our church to move into a school, but we're going to dare and dream anyways. We're going to step out in faith and believe. It's a pretty cool story. A guy named Gideon, who God calls... The first time he comes to Gideon, he says, Hey, Gideon, um, we gotta, we gotta stop this whole worshiping of Baal and Asheroth, which some of God's people had leaned into. Um, they're false gods of the area of neighboring religions, especially the Midianites. And, and he says, um, there's a, there's an altar that I want you to tear down. There's an Asherah pole that people have been worshiping that I want you to go and destroy and you're going to make an offering to me. You're going to sacrifice a bull. And Gideon's like, all right, Lord, um, if that's what you want me to do. And so in, in the midst of the night, he goes and he tears down the altar and he goes and destroys the Asherah pole. And the next day, the people are pretty upset. And then he says, okay, Gideon, we're going to take this a step further because now I want you to rescue my people. I want you to drive out these Midianites. Now this is a little bit bigger deal than just destroying an altar. A little bit bigger deal than just tearing down a pole that people have worshipped. He says, now you're going to go to battle. And Gideon says, okay God, if you really mean this, then I'm going to do a test. If you're okay with it, God, I'm going to put a fleece on the ground. And as I go to sleep tonight, I want when I wake up in the morning, if you can, God, to show me you're really speaking, I want that fleece to be wet and the rest of the ground dry. Okay? Gideon goes to sleep and he wakes up and guess up, guess what he finds? A wet fleece and a dry ground. And Gideon says, well, well, that was a really good trick, Lord, but just to make sure, let's try this again. Now let's make the ground wet and the fleece dry. You think you can handle that? God says, okay. 
He goes to sleep. He wakes up the next morning. Guess what's happened? The fleece is dry and the ground's wet. And he says, okay, mighty warrior. It's time for you to go to battle. Listen to what it says. Judges chapter 6 in your notes. This is, but Lord, Gideon replied, how can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh, and I'm the least in my entire family. And the Lord said to him, read it with me, I will be with you. You will destroy the Midianites if you're fighting against one man. What would you dare to dream or to do if you knew God was with you? That is your promise. And that is your power. Can I tell you a secret? It's because he is. He is. Here's the last thought. You ready? Since the power of God's promises is, is that through his promise, we find the faith to face the future. Have you ever wondered sometimes, why does the bad guy seem to win? Anybody ever thought that before? Why does, why does the bad guy win? Why does it seem like the good guys lose, God? Why are the heathens that are surrounding me seem to like have the new cars and the nice house? Why do they seem to get blessed or have stuff and I don't, God? Why do I try so hard at work and I feel like I'm just getting further and further and further behind? Anybody want to raise an amen to that? Amen. Can I tell you why? It's because their hope is in this world. Ours isn't. Our hope isn't in this world. Look at the scripture. Psalm 73, 16 and 17. So I tried to understand why the wicked prosper, but what a difficult task it is. Read it with me. Then I went into your sanctuary, O God, and I finally understood the destiny of the wicked. Here's what I want you to understand this morning, is that when your heart is deeply planted in the promise of God, here's what you're going to know is that you're not of this world. Listen, when I look at like the trajectory of our world, I think, man, we're in a mess. When I think about what's happening around us and I think about the trajectory of our country and all the stuff that's going on around us, I think, man, this is this is not not a whole lot of fun to be a part of. But here's the good news. You know why I don't lose hope in all of that junk? Because I know it doesn't change one bit my eternal destiny. I'm not a citizen of this world. I'm a citizen of heaven. I'm just passing through. And so are you, if you're a follower of his. This is not all of our hope. It's found in God. I don't belong here, and neither do you. And if it all tanks around me, I'm going to be okay. Because what I know beyond a shadow of a doubt is that I'm a citizen of a different place and my eternity is secure in heaven. I'm from a different land. 2 Corinthians 4, 17 and 18 says it this way. It says, For our present troubles are small and won't last very long, yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles that we see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last how long? Forever. 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 It's through his promises that we find faith to face the future. 
Because this is not all there is, folks. See, my prayer for you in this series and in this season that we're walking in together is that you'll become rooted in the promises of God. That they will become unshakable inside of you. That they will encourage your faith and that you'll find courage and comfort that no matter what happens around you, no matter what happens to us, we're going to remain strong because we have a hope in this. Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. My hope is, is that you will have that. My challenge for you today is this, is that if you've never taken that step of faith to make Jesus as the Lord and Savior of your life, that you will make that first step today because his promises begin there with that personal decision to say, Heavenly Father, Jesus, I accept what you did for me when you gave your life on that cross, and I will make you the Lord and Savior of my life. It all begins there. And if you've been walking what seems like a very shaky road lately, maybe this morning you need to lean deep into his promise And remember that it's his presence that gives you power through all your difficult times. Maybe, just maybe, this morning some of us need to dare to dream, to believe, and to step out in faith. Amen? Heavenly Father, I thank you for my friends that are here this morning. I thank you um, because we know that you're here. One of the promises that we can hold true is what it says in Hebrews when he says, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you. And what that means is, is wherever we go, whatever step of faith we take out in, Father, we can be confident in this, that you go with us because we are your children. Father, I pray that if there's anyone here this morning that has never taken that step of faith to surrender their life to you, that today they will decide to allow you to become their Lord and Savior, that they will confess their sins. Because, Heavenly Father, you are faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. And, Father, I know this morning that that today, for many of us, has been a step of faith that we've dared to dream, that what God might do through us and in us as we take a step of faith as, a, as brothers and sisters of Christ and say, God, we don't want to stay comfortable where we are, but we want to reach our community and love our people and we're willing to sacrifice to see that happen. Lord, we're daring and we're dreaming, but it's all in you and through you. We don't do this for our own glory, for our own name, but we're doing it for your name. May your name be great, God. Exalted. Lifted high. Lord, we love you. And we are so grateful. We trust you. We believe in you. We know that through your promises that you have great things in store for us as individuals and as a church body. And we choose to believe. In Jesus' name we pray. And all of God's people said, Amen.